This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Horses in the Morning for December 28th, episode 2587. Today, we have a special episode for you all about the National Snafflebit Association and the new World Equestrian Center. Joining me first is Tony Bottoms. He hosts an Appaloosa podcast and is very familiar with the NSBA. Those of us on the English side of things are not real familiar with the NSBA, which is why I have him on today, and uh, he knows a lot about it. So with the NSBA running the jumper shows in January, February, and March at the World Equestrian Center in Ocala, I thought it was time that we learned a little more. Then after Tony, my wife, Coach Jen, joins me for a few minutes to talk about our recent visit to the World Equestrian Center right up the street from us, and we'll be back with normal HITM programming on January the 4th. I hope you're enjoying your holidays. Let's get to Tony's interview. Well, hey, Tony, it's good to talk to you tonight. I really appreciate you stopping by. Not a problem. Thank you, Glenn, for having me. Uh, you almost did stop by last week. We were at, we were at away, and you drove right through uh, my neighborhood, right past the World Equestrian Center, I heard. Yeah, I drove by and kind of went through the parking lot and took pictures. I wasn't able to stop. I didn't have time to stop and look around and all that, but so... I took pictures just to prove that I'd been there. <laughs> well, as I mentioned in your introduction, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, a lot about the World Equestrian Center as it relates to the National Snafflebit Association. Uh, and we're going to learn more about that and, uh, you, you know, how you know about them. But first, you also have a podcast. Tell us about that. Yeah, I have. It's the Appaloosa podcast. Um, it is about Appaloosa horses, the people who love them, and wherever that might be. I don't stay specifically to, like, APHC, the Appaloosa Horse Club information or whatever. If I find somebody who is riding in Appaloosa, you know, showing in Appaloosa, whatever, I don't care where they're at. I don't care if they're riding straight hunters, if they're trail riders, um, if they're, like, for example, you just did an interview a little while ago with Carrie Lowry. I've talked to Carrie oh, yeah, several yeah, yeah. times on the, on this show uh, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to her several times. She's won the Appaloosa distance championship several years in a row. Actually last year she won the whole kit and caboodle, the whole, she beat the Arabians, the half Arabians, everybody, you know? So obviously I had to talk to her then, you know, cause she's riding a half Appaloosa. So, but it, it doesn't matter if it's an Appaloosa, if you own an Appaloosa, if it's something that catches my attention, I try to talk about it. Now, I do cover a lot of what's going on within the Appaloosa Horse Club, you know, as far as what rule changes are happening, what, you know, whatever, whatever business is going on. For example, I'm getting ready to do an episode uh they just started the, what they call a small horse program, which is allowing the, the ponies of America to participate in our shows. So I'm getting ready to talk to the lady who started that whole thing. You know, so anything, if it's got spots on its butt, we talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so the Appaloosa Horse Club is the governing body? 
Yes, they are the breed registry and the governing body of the Appaloosas. Um, they, everything from, you know, registering your horse to the only shows they really, they really put on are they do the nationals and then they do the world championship. And, you know, obviously the world championship just happened last in November and regionals didn't happen this year, but usually the regionals happen around June or July. They usually coincide with our youth world championship shows. But this year, because of everything, you know, COVID and all that, they cancel the regional and then they combine the youth and the regular world show to November. What, if you were going to, what is the most popular discipline with Appaloosas within the club? Right now, <laughs> it's ranch. Ranch has gotten really popular. It's gotten really popular everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, ranch has gotten, I mean, at, at the championship show this year, ranch and the cattle classes by far were the biggest classes. Um, other than that, nor, and, well, I say I was about to say normal showing. That, I mean, cattle, ranch showing is normal showing. But I'd say pro- probably trail. That's probably the biggest one in pretty much anywhere you go, whether it's quarter horses, uh, paints, Appaloosas, NSBA, probably trail is probably the largest classes there are. And yet we've seen them in jumping shows and eventing and, you know, all over the place. They're like any other breed. They're, you know, they're, they're individuals and some of them are really good at other things. Right, right. Yeah. They are a good all around horse. I mean, they are, I mean, they're, Originally bred for the Nez Pierce Indians. They're the ones that bred them. And so they were bred to be very hardy. Uh, they obviously grew up in the Bitterroot Mountains. So, you know, they're a very hardy they're, breed. They're kind of stocky, right? Most of them are. Uh, well, I mean, the original ones were. Um, I mean, that that's a big controversy within the Appaloosa community. You have, and the same thing with the quarter horses. You have your foundation bred, which can trace their lineage all the way back to the Nez Pierce, or you have your more modern day Appaloosas, kind of what we breed, you know, we breed more modern day because we're crossing an Appaloosa stallion with thoroughbred mares or quarter horse mares. A lot of Appaloosas are crossed with quarter horses. How much Appa- that's what they like. I might have a dumb question. How much Appaloosa has to be in there to register? It, anything, any okay. part Appaloosa. I mean, as long as the parents are registered, at least one of the parents was registered, and you register the the offspring, then it's considered an Appaloosa. Now, where it gets tricky is if that horse is not showing characteristic traits of an Appaloosa. You know, they don't have spots. They don't have the stripes in their hooves. They don't have the white sclera around their eyes. They don't have the molten skin, that kind of stuff then yes, you can still register them as Appaloosa, but then you have to get what they call performance papers, which means, yeah, they're Appaloosa, but they're not showing characteristics. So you have to pay a little extra money. You know, I'm hoping they do away with that here pretty soon, but. (laughs) (laughs) So is, are the number of Appaloosas, is it growing? No. No. Well, the number of, it's hard to tell if more people are buying Appaloosas, but I can tell you that 
the APHC registration is going down. Okay. So, but those two don't coincide right. just because the APHC's registration is going down doesn't mean more people aren't buying Appaloosas. I mean, you're starting to see more and more color in like straight hunters now too. You're starting to see more and more Appaloosas at ranching events, you know, roping and, you know, barrel racing and stuff like that. So, but it's hard to tell because yeah, we're noticing more, but no one's really keeping track of them, you know? So, but APHC's numbers have been declining for at least a decade now. So, but that's probably a whole different subject right there. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that's true of a lot of the associations too. It's not just in the registries. It's not exclusive to Appaloosas. Um, so, all right. So now the Appa, so the Appaloosa Club, uh, Appaloosa Horse Club is part of the National Snafflebit Association. I want to I want to tie this in right now for the listeners. So we've talked on the show here about World Equestrian Center. Of course, it's right couple miles from my house, and I've been talking about it and it being built and the tours I've taken and stuff. And now there's a show going on. The first show is happening right now as of last weekend. And I see horse trailers over there, and we're going over uh, Thursday to check it out. So actually, after your interview, I'm going to record with Jennifer, and we're going to talk about what we saw and our impressions of the World Equestrian Center, which I can tell you already are going to be amazing. Um yeah, they have the Tom Powers <laughs> Futurity going on right now. Which is, That's for the English set, it, what is that? It Okay, so you you said uh, Appaloosa is part of NSBA. That's technically not correct, but we'll get into that here in a okay. minute. A lot of people do Futurities, um, or a lot of, I'm not going to say a lot of people. There are people who start Futurities for one reason or another. And basically, you have to buy into that fraturity to have a stallion's offspring or whatever available for the, for the fraturity. Well, Tom Powers is kind of on its own. It's, it's kind of off by itself, but NSB, NSBA sanctions it. So they have classes going on within the Tom Powers fraturity. Like Tom Powers is just that one show every year. That's it. You know what I'm saying? So it's a big fraturity. There's a lot of money to be won at it. It's kind of like for the hunter world, like nationals or something like that. You know, it's like that one show that you can go to and win a bunch of money at. And if I remember right, fraturity horses are usually five years old and are younger, but they're nominated like before they're born, right? It's, it's, they're nominated when they're really young. For example, a, Right now, if you go over there, when you go over there, look for Super Sires. There's a fraturity named Super Sires. Our stallion is a member of Super Sires. As a matter of fact, two, 2021 will be his first year. We paid into that fraturity. And so basically what that is is we paid a bunch of money for him to be in there. But the benefit is anybody that breeds to our stallion, if they go to a show like Tom Powers, and Super Sires has a class that they are sponsoring, then they can take their horse into that class and win money, not only from Tom Powers, but they can also win money from Super Sires because it's a Super Sires offspring winning or not necessarily winning. I think 
they have, I think, from first to tenth. But obviously, winning's the big money, right? So, right, right. But yeah, it's you. You pay into the futurity. Usually, it's a stallion owner pays into the futurity, or I mean, they have a few different variations of it. But it could, like, for example, WEC is getting ready to do a futurity. I think at the end of February or the beginning of March, the sudden impulse fraternity, I think they're getting ready to do over there. That's just an open fraternity. I don't know why they named it a fraternity, but that's, they named it that. So it's an open horse show. Anybody can come over and show. A lot of that gets very confusing. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Yeah, Yeah, it does. Yeah. And And really my wife is the one I'm like you, I'm a horse husband. So, you know, yeah, I do show a little bit and all that, but my wife is the one that runs all this stuff, you know, with the, the, you know that, so it's well, like I, I'm certainly not going to hold that against you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so all right. So, and I did, I did get that wrong. Actually, uh, the Appaloosa Horse Club and a bunch of others are recognized by the National Snafflebit Association. So, yeah. so let me. All right. So let me go reverse back here a little bit. So, World Equestrian Center says I want to put on these jumper shows here and. Uh, the problem that we have is the World Equestrian Center is very close to HITS, which has been here for 30 years in Ocala. HITS is right. the jumper shows and hunter shows that happen here in Ocala, and they've happened for years. It's kind of a rundown facility, and, and it's had its issues over the years. But it's here, and it's, you know, I've gone over and watched shows there. It's not too far from my house either. Uh, and then World Equestrian Center comes in, and, and you know, he spends a billion dollars and builds this amazing basically the nicest equestrian center in the world. It is what it says it is. Um, and he wants to run some shows. So he they put up a lot of money, and uh, we're hoping to get some dates, uh, some basically sanctioned dates from the, uh, you know, from the USEF and the United States Hunter Jumper Association. And th- there's a mileage rule where you can't have two sanctioned shows so close to each other. I'm trying to simplify this as much as possible because it also gets very confusing. And a lot of people don't follow this. So that's why I'm trying to do that. Um, so... Uh, what happened was they were denied those dates because of the mileage rule, and he came back and said, okay, well, then we're just going to work with a different group, and we're going to do the shows anyway, and we're going to put up millions of dollars in prize money, and people will come. They won't get points towards FEI standings and all of that, but they'll come for the money. And that's where the relationship with the National Snafflebit Association came in. We mentioned this on the show when it happened. Being on the English side, mostly, Jamie and I, we're not familiar. Really, I mean, we've heard of it, but it's not something that we've dealt with every day, right? Um, so we mentioned that, and uh, and then I got scathing email from a couple of people that uh, really said that we don't know what the hell we're talking about, and uh, we shouldn't even be on the air, uh, because we didn't know what the National Snafflebit Association is. So that's why you're here. Okay, Uh, is because we do want to know what it is. And World Equestrian Center is working with them. And I got to tell you, since we talked about it on the air and since it's come out, there's a lot of people on the English side had no idea what it was. It's not just us. Yes, you are not. All right. So back up a little bit for me. My wife, I met my wife in 2000. When I met her, she was teaching at a hunter under saddle barn in Midlothian, Virginia right right there by richmond my wife grew up riding hunters that is her love that is her passion and we had our own barn 
we had our own lesson and show barn. We did not show Yousef level. We usually stayed, you can't really call it local, but it's the VHSA with the Virginia Horse Show Association. So we stayed that. We had students that went to that and all that. So my, my wife obviously still has a lot of ties back to Virginia, even though we're living in Oklahoma now. You know, a lot of her friends that she grew up with, they ride hunters and all that kind of stuff. So you're right. When this started happening, people were Facebooking and texting my wife, who the heck is NSBA? And my wife was just laughing because, you know, like you, they, they're like, who the heck? They've been around since the 80s. They've been around for almost 40 years. They originally started, their whole goal is to try to get people to ride a horse in its natural gait. When NSBA originally came around, that was back when you'd see a lot of these Western pleasure horses, what we call peanut rollers, yeah. with their noses going around almost touching the ground. Yep. Well, no one knows where that came from, but that was what was being rewarded in the show pen, and that's what people were training for and breeding for because that was what and was And I winning. will say that Jamie and I have given our opinions on that, and you can send your complaint <laughs> emails to Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. She, she'll be sure to <laughs> discard them. Uh, but it did really start with pleasure riding events, right? The yes, that originally, yeah. was, originally it was Western Pleasure because they were trying to get people to quit training and breeding for those peanut rollers. They wanted to see a horse go. You mean they actually wanted the horse to have feet? Uh, Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they have obviously come a long way since they were formed. That started off with Western pleasure. Now they pretty much have every, well, now that they're adding hunters, they've pretty much got every discipline that you could have. And now they have until, jumping classes at World Equestrian Center. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Well, it was funny. One of the things, I, I've talked to um, Stephanie Lynn. She's the executive director over there at NSBA. I've also talked to Johnny Dobbs, who is the president of the board. And we talked about this. It was funny because right before their world show came around, I was looking at their working hunter class. That's probably one of their newer classes, the working hunter, which is more closely related to an actual real hunter than anything we've ever seen on the breed show side. Usually I joke around my wife, my wife was really disappointed when she went to go watch a hunter under saddle class. And it basically was a Western horse with English tack on it. But the NSBA, they started as working hunter and it's become very popular. And actually quarter horses did a trial run of working hunters two years ago and it was very popular. So they're adding that to their show bill now is they're actually adding for cord horses, a working hunter class. So it's starting to come back around, but you know, this, I want, I, let's take a quick break and I want to tell you why this all makes me very happy. All right. I got to go to a commercial, but I want to come back and talk about why this makes me very happy. So we'll be right back. <laughs> Visit statelinetech.com slash HRN. Don't miss your chance to shop blowout prices on blankets, apparel, saddles, tack, and everything you need or want. From top brands like Defender, Gatsby, Wintech, Kensington, Ariat, Weatherbeta, Iridian, IRH helmets, carrots, and so much more. Plus, you can find special hourly flash sales with over 50% off. Stateline Tech, they make riding affordable. 
So I, I want to tell you why this makes me very happy. One, you know, the, our mission statement to Horse Radio Network was uniting the horse world one show at a time. It, we, we just wanted, there's always been these silos, Western, English, and then within those two categories, there's 20 silos, right? And nobody right. ever talked to each other. And I love right. the fact, and especially now with this National Snafflebit Association deal going on with the World Equestrian Center, it's bringing English and Western and everybody together, and all of a sudden now we're just horse people doing a show. Right, right. Oh, I'm, we're we're totally excited about this. You know, like I said, especially with my wife's background, um, we were starting to breed our stallion to thoroughbreds to make real hunters instead of these hunter hunter saddles. And then all of a sudden, this announcement came around, and and NSBA is going to be sanctioning real hunter shows. We're for lots of money. Let's throw that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, but for us, it was cool because it's an organization that we've already been involved with. You know, we've been involved with them for several years and, you know, so we don't have to leave an organization that we're comfortable with and familiar with, which by the way, runs like a well-oiled machine. Okay, that's the point I wanted to get at. When I saw all of the Facebook posts from people who did know about the association, there was nothing but glowing. There was not a negative thing. I couldn't find a negative thing. I I have nothing negative to say about them at all. I've All all the people, mostly ladies, uh, I I know there's at least one gentleman that works there, but the ladies there are awesome. All of them, no matter who you talk to, they're always friendly. They're always on point. They're quick to get stuff done. If there's a problem, they're, they'll answer the phone and answer your question. If they don't know the answer to your question, then they'll get you to the person that does. When they go to their shows, now technically, the only show that they put on is their world championship show. That's the only show that they put on. You, most of their shows, well, all their shows are put on by somebody else, but then they sanction them. Gotcha. So if they're involved... So it's any breed, right? Any breed horse can... Yeah, any yeah. breed. Yeah. It can be an open show, which um, I guess if you're not familiar with an open show, an open show is any breed horse can come in. Um, and then you might have, you know, an open show might be put on by a regional Appaloosa club, a regional Pino club or regional paint club or quarter horse club or a combination of all those and then nsba they ask nsba to sanction the show then nsba puts their stamp of approval on it and you'll see when you're looking down the show lineup you'll see you know for example one-year-old halter aphc but off to the side you'll see nsba so they'll you know it's not a lot of times it's not every single class but certain classes that they will sanction so if it's an nas or nsba class um then you're gaining points to go to their nationals is that part of the reason why you would be concerned about that yes yes and no okay um nsba you don't necessarily have to have a certain amount of points to go to their championship show they want you to have gone to at least five shows they were NSBA sanctioned. However, if you didn't go to five shows, you can pay extra and still go to the championship show. Does that make sense that on sense. that one? Yep, that makes sense. 
So if you don't have anybody around you that's doing NSBA sanctioned shows, you can still go to the championship, the world champions. You just have to pay. I think it's like a hundred dollars extra to, for your entry fee. But you know, obviously either way you look at it, if you go to five shows, that's going to at least cost you a hundred dollars or you pay the hundred dollars to go. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, and as I, as I understand it, their original, we, we talked about the, what their original mission was, right. When we talked about the peanut rollers, is that still their mission? Are they still, to, you know, for the natural movements and we don't have noses on the ground and hooves that are the size of uh, quarters. Yes, yeah. that is still their mission. They are still big on breeding and showing the best quality horse possible. And for example, here, I'll, I'll make this example. I was noticing we were talking, I was, when I was talking to Stephanie Lynn, we were talking about this and it was, I was asking her this question because it seemed like they did this change right about right before the announcement of WC came up. They had their working hunter class right before their championship show. So probably September timeframe, they did a verbiage change on the working hunter class and they put a level headset with ground covering movement as if following the hounds. I think that might not be Mm -hmm. exactly right, but so they're constantly going in and trying to make sure that their description of a horse or a class or the way a horse moves is correct. They're always doing that, but they just recently went in and changed the verbiage for the working hunter class to have a level headset with a ground covering gate as if following the hounds. So, and then, then the announcement from WC came up and I was like, is that coincidence or was that planned? And she laughed and she's like, no, that was just coincidence. Cause they're always going in and they're always adding classes and here's the other thing for people who are familiar with Yousef at NSBA as a member, you get a vote. You get to vote on what the club is doing. No, it's really? Not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not that the club just does whatever they want. You get a vote. They're really good about doing what the members want. If enough people come up to them or there's enough things said about something they will do something about it. You know, they've just added a, quite a few classes this year. Um, they've been doing ranch Western pleasure for a while, but they just made it official to where I actually will be at their world show this year. Should I say next year, not this year, but next year. Of course, I don't know. By the time this comes out, it might be this year, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> it'll, it'll still be this year. So, I'm excited about this, and we've had Robbie Roberts on, who's the big boss over at the World Equestrian Center, and he's been on since it was a concept on our show. And, you know, he's always, one of the things about Robbie is you get it the way it is. There's no, you know, he doesn't mince any words. Um, And how did he know, has he dealt, you know, he was in the Western world, I know that. Has he dealt with the Snafflebit Association, have a good relationship with them? That's how this came about? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's friends with uh, Johnny Dobbs, who is the she's the president of the board. Ah, gotcha. They're friends, so yeah, he's dealt with them quite a bit. 
but oh, like you said, on the Western side, they they sanction shows at his Wilmington World Equestrian Center now, as it is. I mean, that that's been going on for what several years now, right? If yeah. I remember right, he's got another one up there, in Wilmington, Ohio. Yep. And they they've been sanctioning shows there now. Obviously, those shows there are Western, most of them. Um, but I think they do have. I don't know. I have to look into that one. I haven't looked into that one as much as I have the one there in Ocala. So. Well, that and 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 that is I, that is how I do know that that's how the relationship started. Uh, and uh, you know, he knew. You know, last time we had him on the show was six months ago, maybe. He knew he was going to have this fight with the USEF and and the USHJA. He knew this was going to be a problem. Uh, right. So I think he's had this in his head for a long time uh, because this is not new. This is not a surprise. You know, it was going to be a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're, like I said, we're really excited about this. I, I think it's, I think it is for the straight hunter people, this NSBA is going to step in and be a governing body that makes it affordable for the average person to be able to go horse show and to be help be able to have a governing body to where they can accumulate points for national championships and year end awards and you know all that kind of stuff. So and and they can win money. You know well, what I'm saying? So that Yeah, and that's that's, that's something that we're not really <laughs> used to in certain parts of the English world. <laughs> yeah. And see the thing about NSBA like for example, say you say you buy an Appaloosa and you're showing in Appaloosa, say you go to an Appaloosa, let's say world, and you win the class. Well, the way it's set up on the breed show side is you can win under Appaloosa. Then if it's an NSBA sanctioned show, you can win under NSBA also. And then if it's a faturity sponsored class, then you can win under that faturity. So you could basically be walking out with three prizes, Hmm. you know, so that'll pay for your horse show right there. Yeah, or <laughs> plus some. You know, he right. al- Robbie always said, you know, if I, I he believed and he's right, if you put up enough money, they'll come. And uh, you know, it doesn't hurt that during this winter series that they're going to do starting in January, uh, you know, they he made the stalls free. So I mean, it's he yeah. really wants people to come try out his center. And let me tell you, it's freaking nice. So uh, you're not going to show any place that's nicer than that, right there. Yeah, that's that. That's I was, I was telling somebody. I said, you know, the problem for a lot of the breed associations is people are going to go down there WEC, and then they're going to go, hey, this is where we win our world shows at instead of Fort Worth or Tulsa or whatever. So, <laughs> so that's going to be the problem. Is everybody's going to want to go down there? Which obviously it's not as a for a world show. That's not. It's a nice facility, but it's not it's convenient. Not in the center of the, of the, especially right. the Western yeah. world, right? It's not in the center of that. Um, yeah. And, it, you know, the other thing is it's hot as hell here in the summer. <laughs> now, it is air conditioned. He has 2,000 heated air conditioned stalls. All the indoor arenas are heated or you know, heated and air conditioned. So you would never even have to go outside, but it's still hot here. You know, it's, uh, right, right. you know, so there, there is that. Um, I I think it's exciting. I think that it you know we're going to see how it all plays out. Uh, you know, there's a lot of politics going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Um, and there, you know, really, what it affects 
the people who it really affects are your FEI level riders, right? They're the ones yeah, who need yeah. the points, who need to travel and need to do all that to make teams and stuff. But what percentage of the jumping population, hunters or jumpers, is that? It's teeny, right? Um, it's a quarter of a percent probably of the entire of the entire group. So everybody else falls into a place where they're, they can chase money, you know, and, and be at a nice facility. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Well, I know for us, the money's nice. Don't get me wrong, but the atmosphere going to an SBA world is just, it's fun. You know, you get to go hang out with people you like, you get to go have fun with your horses all that kind of stuff. It's just fun. And yeah, it's nice to get a paycheck at the end of the day or at the end of the week or whatever. And that just kind of adds to it. You know, it, so, and that's really what it's all about for us. If it's not fun, what's the sense in going? Cause we're not, we're not big time trainers. We're not, you know, big time, you know, like, like you were saying, like the people with FEI, you know, they're not, we're not chasing, possibly getting on an Olympic team or something like that. We're just small breeders that like to go show our horses and like to see our horses do well and like to see the people who buy our horses or breed to our stallion do well. I mean, we, we always celebrate uh, when we have somebody who bred to our stallion and then their horse goes out and does well. We, you know, I mean, we put it all over Facebook because that's what the whole thing's about. You know, we're trying to, it's a real family friendly environment. You know, everybody can go there now. Now POAs can start showing there. So that makes it even cooler because now you got, you know, that and POAs are really a family friendly environment. So now you got the POAs, quarter horses, paints, Appaloosas. Now you got straight hunters all in their same building. That's where I think it's going to get really fun when you get everybody in the same building together and you're stalled up next to each other and a hunter looks over and sees a Western pleasure person getting their horse ready to go out in the ring. And they see that horse over there shining like a little copper penny. And then they walk over and go, how do you do that? You know, cause well, that's how we break well, down those silos we talked about. Right. I mean, that's you're right. Yeah. Right. And uh, my wife talked about that. She's like, man, I thought I knew how to groom a horse until I went and hung out with these Western pleasure people. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's a lot of stuff we can learn from the hunters too. There's a lot of stuff the, the Western world can learn from the hunters. And the number one is how do they keep that? Cause they're constantly keeping that flow of new riders coming in, both quarter horses, paints, Appaloosas, their numbers have been dropping for the last 10 years. And they don't have a, like when you walk into a hunter barn, you see barn rats running around all over the place. All mm-hmm. the little kids yep, yep. that there for they're they're all over the place. They're running. You walk into a Western Pleasure Barn, you don't see those kids. You don't see them there hanging out. They're working students and learning how to groom and all that kind. Of, you don't see that. Huh. So they're they're not feeding that population of us older people who are going to be gone you know, 15, 20 years from now, you know? So, but the hunters are really good about that. It's, I, I know with my wife, when she was teaching at the school, you'd walk into the lesson barn and there'd be kids running all over the place, you know, grabbing horses, tacking up horses, grooming horses, learning how to be good 
horse people, you know what I'm saying? And learn how to be good riders. You don't get that on the Western side, unless, unless you're, you know, out working a ranch. Or right. You're, like you're, that. you're on a that's ranch. Different. Yeah. 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 But as far as like the showing the Western pleasure showing and all that, you don't see that. They want you to bring your horse over, drop it off and pay them to train it. They might, you might show up once a week to take a lesson and that's it. Hmm. And I was like, man, they, they got a lot to learn from the hunters on that. And which again, it's that, I, I think that's where we get everybody in those barns together and they start hanging out and, you know, after the end of the show at the end of the night and they start talking and sharing stories and stuff like that, that's where I think it's going to really blow up. That's where I think it, it's just going to take off after that. That's my prediction. We'll say that. I, I hope so. I mean, that, that that's what I've been hoping to see for the last 10, 12 years. And I do think that we've all, I think thanks to social media, we've all gotten to see and, and see things that we never saw before, right? So I think it has opened up both worlds. I think we've gotten, uh, you know, even shows like this one, where we talk to a little bit of everybody, right? We're not, you know, yeah, we, we know English more, but we have a little bit of everybody on that does, does everything. Uh, and we're trying to, you know, get it to the point with all the shows on the network that we have, that you do see, you get to hear different things and different perspectives and different ways of doing things. And that just makes us all better. I know you were on Piper's show uh, over at Plaidcast, and she, you know, she's been the one really stirring the pot here. I mean, talk about <laughs> politics. She's been the one that really put the cauldron on the fire and has been just stirring it every day, uh, much to the chagrin of the USHJA and the USEF. Um, but you know what? Somebody has to. If, if there's ever going to be change in organizations like that, which have become old boys clubs, there's no question. Um, yeah. And there, but it's going to take that. It's going to take people like her and people like a couple of the other uh, now people like a couple of the other journalists that are my friends out there that are really stirring the pot and calling them. The, I didn't know that that some of the executives over there make three to four hundred thousand dollars a year. I would have become, I was in marketing. I could have become the marketing director of the USEF making a hell of a lot more money than I'm making now. Uh, I, that was total shock to me. I didn't realize that until all of this started coming up and Piper started stirring the pot. And it's like, how do they make as much as a president? I, it's just crazy. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I knew about the USEF back when, you know, obviously when I first met my wife, because. Uh, we're right there by Deep Run, which is a, a rated show, um, and they do, I don't know how many shows there every year. And they've had a monopoly on the hunters and jumpers for years, I mean, for decades. And, you know, I knew back then people were griping about them. And that was, like I said, back in 2000, we left Virginia in 2006. Yeah. And people were griping about them then, and all of a sudden, here we are now, and it's like, you know, it's all got to come to a head. The funny thing, I, we have been having, a lot of people have been having issues with Apple as a horse club. And a lot of what people are complaining about, about UCF, I see mirrored a lot in APAC. You know, people, they're not listening. They're not doing what people want, you know, all that, which I'm kind of standing back laughing about it all, watching, you know, all the hunters and all that gripe about the Yusef and all of a sudden in an NSBA just coming in and stirring up the pot. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, we've known about them for years, you know? So, but yeah, it's, it, it'll be interesting. I, I'm excited for it. 
And I think it's just going to open up more doors for more people. I think it's going to make it more affordable for the average person to go out and show. And horses. that's, and we need that. I mean, there's no question. We, it's gotten so expensive. Uh, yes. It just, we need that. I mean, and, you know, when you have to pay fees to the USEF and the USHJA just to show, uh, and then yeah. all of the fees at the shows, you're spending hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to go out for a weekend. And it's yeah. just become unaffordable for a lot of people. And, you know, yeah, I mean, we have the, again, I'm taking that top 20% out, right? That that have all right, the money right. in the world and have all the support in the world. and But there's that 80% down here who, who do struggle to go to shows and can't go to shows every weekend. And, you know, I, I hope, you know, I hope there's a, pl- if there's not a place for them in the future, we're not going to, these organizations are going to keep shrinking. Right. Right. Because where, where your future Olympians going to come from? Right. I mean, they got to get out there and get experience someplace. And if they well, can't come from the rich end. That's where they're going to come from, right? Yeah. Well, and you know, just, which I've been seeing a lot of articles about that here lately yeah. too. And Piper, I know, so. has been one. <laughs> yeah. I'm not bandwagon well, I mean, too. Piper's whole thing is, you know, education, right? You know, so it, it it makes sense that she's the one out there, you know, stirring that stuff up. But you know, I've actually heard her, and I didn't get a chance to mention it when she was there. She was talking about more diversity in the hunter circuit. I said. And I was going to say, yeah, you actually need to have more diversity in your horses, too, because that's one of the things that we talked about. The good thing about showing NSBA, if NSBA steps in and actually starts sanctioning hunter shows, is now you don't have to start importing from overseas. you got plenty of stallions and mares and offspring here in the United States that are much more affordable that you can be riding. You know, we just bred to our Appaloosa stallion and our thoroughbred mare, and he's a weanling right now, but man, we're, we're really excited to get him out there and start showing him at NSBA on the working hunters. And if we get some, you know, straight hunters that are closer here to home here, that NSBA sanctions to get him out there and start showing, you know, now obviously that won't happen for two, three years, but we can start showing him. And it, that, that's the other nice thing about NSBA. They have a lot of in-hand stuff. So you have your hunter in hand, you have your Western pleasure in hand, you have your lunge line, you have your trail in hand. So you can take your yearling out and show your yearling. You know, so by the time you get to three or four years old where you're putting that horse under saddle, they've already got plenty of mileage on them for horse showing. So when you go to the horse show, they're not freaking out because it's, they've been doing it for the last two or three years, you know? So there's so many benefits to it that it's hard to kind of wrap them all up in one little ball. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, you just have to, you have to experience it. You're really in, you know, we, I've got a two year old, you know, if her knees ever close, her mom is 17, three, so we're kind of wondering when her knees are going to close, but she's a two-year-old. We were hoping to start getting her under saddle this year, but we got to wait for her knees to close. So it might not be till next year. So we might be showing her at hunter in hand and hunter in hand. Pretty much anybody can do. It's easy. Um, you basically, you walk your horse in the ring. You got, depending on how many judges, three, four, five judges there, you stand them up you know, make them where they're square, 
the judges walk around, look at your confirmation of your horse. Then you got like three cones set out and you walk around the three cones and it's about half the ring and you come around. And then when you come around again, you take off at a, a lope or a, a jog for the English people and bring them around. And then you're judged. That's your judge. It's easy. You know, unless like I, I have to wear a knee brace because of my knee, but it's not hard. If your horse has good ground manners, your kid can go out there and do it. You know what I'm saying? So whoever it is that wants to show NSBA can show. And if you get somebody that's starting to get older, you know, some of those warm bloods and those thoroughbreds have a tendency to get a little hot, you know, and it's like, if you're kind of getting tired of falling off a 16 to 17 hand horse, come over an NSBA and ride a quarter horse or an Appaloosa. that's only, you know, 15 hands. It's a lot, lot less distance to fall. You know yeah, right, right, right. Especially as we get older, we don't bounce as much. All right, everybody, right. I'm going to, we're going to wrap this part up. Uh, Jennifer and I are going to be back here in a couple of minutes after the next break. And we're going to give you our impressions of our first vi- real visit to the working uh, World Equestrian Center. Uh, I, you know, we've talked about it here on the show after we did our tour of the construction site, but uh, it's still a construction site. Don't get me wrong. And it will be for the next 10 years. But uh, there's a lot more to go in over there. But we'll, we'll let you know how we felt about it. Where can people find your podcast? Easiest is go to Facebook and look for Appaloosa Podcast. But, I mean, pretty much any place, iTunes, wherever you find. And it's the Appaloosa Podcast, podcast. is that? Appaloosa Podcast, yes. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's where you can find it. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Glenn. I appreciate it. Coach Jen here, HRN Chaos Control Officer and host of the Horse Tip Daily Show here on Horse Radio Network. Longtime Horse Radio Network fans know that I'm a big fan of Wintech saddles. I've been riding in them for about 20 years now. Whether I'm eventing, showing in dressage, or fox hunting, or hitting the trail at an endurance competition, I know my saddle fits my horse and it's going to hold up to the toughest conditions and look great doing it. You may be wondering exactly which saddle do I use for this varied group of disciplines? Well, WinTech makes saddles for every discipline. That's how. I have several. And WinTech doesn't sit on their laurels. 2019 brings even more innovation to the saddle range, so head out to your local tax store and have a sit-in one. Or you can contact your favorite online retailer, arrange a test ride, or check them out online at wintechsaddles.us. Does your saddle pad work as hard as you do? With EcoGold's collection of breathable pads and half pads, you can be confident that your pad is putting in just as much work as you are. Shop now at ecogold.ca. That's E-C-O-G-O-L-D dot C-A. Coach Jen is here, and we did go over, as I mentioned earlier in the show, to the World Equestrian Center and checked it out. And I talked a little bit last week on the show about my impressions. So we'll start with you. What were your impressions? We had only seen it uh, once or twice before when it was under construction. So Right. And under construction, you, you just would walk around and go, oh, wow, they're going to have everything there. It was really cool to be there with horses and people. Because a, bazil- a a building in a facility is cool, but when it's being used for its intended purpose, it creates a very different vibe. We know that from attending the World Equestrian Games. We would be at these facilities 
when they're not being used or being used for regular shows, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's nice. But then when you go and there's lots of people there, it's altogether different. And I think once that place gets filled up, the vibe is going to be really, really cool just because it can fill so many and it's got lots of room for spectators and there were lots of vendors there. And I, yeah, it's it's maturing. But the place was so big that... Yeah, it is kind of overwhelming. It is overwhelming yeah. that, that there was probably, I think they said there's like a thousand people at the show. And we didn't. It seemed a little empty. It seemed empty. Yeah. <laughs> it just seemed like because it's so huge. They were using the one indoor arena. The indoor arenas, by the way, the indoor arenas are ginormous. There's four of those, and they're huge, and they're, they're heated and air conditioned. They have, I think, he told us fifteen or sixteen hundred seats in each of the right. indoors. Now, the indoor arena they were using just to give people an idea, because measurements in feet don't yeah. always trans don't always make sense. They cut the arena in half. And in half of the arena was the warm-up, and the half other half of the arena was the actual class. It was that big that they could fit a horse with in a twenty horses on a rail class comfortably, comfortably. in half of it. Yeah. They weren't crowded, so that's how ginormous they are. And they they thought ahead because they put um, bleachers in each of the indoor arenas, so there is actually room for spectators. I think fourteen and, or fifteen hundred. Yeah, yeah, and you know everybody has their trainer and their friends and their kids and. There's plenty of room to sit comfortably and watch all of that. So they thought ahead. And, of course, they're really light and bright because they designed them that the interior is all white. So hopefully they'll be able to wash it a lot. But it was very bright in there. So that was kind of cool, too. The other thing is the sound systems are amazing. Yeah. We've been to so many crappy arenas where... For a horse show venue, <laughs> the way the arenas are designed, usually they're made like giant rodeo arena style and that the the roof is five stories high these are not the the interior of the building is probably two or only two or maybe three three stories stories high to account for the bleachers so that holds the sound in it doesn't i think too that they designed it they designed the sound systems with the building and like with the kentucky horse park they thought about the sound system after the structures were put up if you remember right the debacle with the outdoor arena at the and the indoor arena both at the kentucky horse park the new ones there was no sound system designed in it they put those up after and they had to drill holes and wire the whole thing because they had they forgot the sound system this was designed with the sound system in mind it's a purpose-built facility and there aren't very many of those around the united states that are a horse show facility is purpose built. And the indoor arenas are purpose built. Now the outdoor arenas, I think they accounted for having lots of different types of events there. Like they're gonna have concerts there. Like this week, they're having stuff. concerts every night there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know where exactly they're gonna have the concerts, but the, the, so we we went in and saw that indoor first, and that was one of four, as we said. And then um we took a walk between the indoors back to the ho- grand hotel. And it is a grand hotel. It, it's uh, it's reminded me a little bit of Disney hotels. It's very stylized. It's, it's very French yeah. chateauish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's got that look where they put details in it. Yeah. Uh, and then then the arena, the Grand Prix arena in front of the hotel is just beautiful. I mean, it, and it's classy. It's that's a classy arena. It's made for class. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, you can see them having uh, Grand Prix dressage it's, shows in there it's a with destination. the food around. Yeah. The whole and, point is to create a venue so that whether you're a horse person or not you want to go there because it is the Carnegie Hall of horse show venues. Yeah. And it, you know, you could tell they designed that arena. They have seating, which probably only seat 
three, four thousand, maybe. At the most. Yeah. yeah. It didn't, I, I thought not I was, ginormous bleachers. No. no. Uh, and then behind the bleachers, they actually have porticos, so you can tell they're going to have. That's where they have oh, the parties and the dining and, and all that yeah. stuff. It's all yeah. being set up for that. The hotel is not done yet. Uh, they were working really on the back of it. The, the yeah. front of it is all done. But the facade and, looks great. And yeah. you could tell there were people all over the inside working on the insides. <laughs> Lots the, of sounds. The back of it's still a big construction zone. Yeah. Um, and then we walked over uh, behind the barns. We walked in the barns. Let's talk about the barns. First of all, they are beautiful barns. <laughs> These barns are what? 12 by 14 stalls, probably. That's the way it looks. Either 12 by 14 or 14 by 14. He made yeah. them oversized because yeah. that's been an issue for a long time. That well, you bring when, the draft horses in and they well, don't port- fit. When portable <laughs> stalls were made, the industry standard was a 10 by 10 for a portable stall and a 12 by 12 for luxury and accommodations. Not so much anymore. So you did make them oversized. Got to fit have, those worm bloods in. No. And then, well, they're going to spend a lot of time in them. Yeah. You know, they're going to be there for weeks on end and didn't used to be that way at horse shows. The flooring, instead of having the standard rubber mats on the floor, they have those super-duper rubber mats that are like um, like mattresses for your horses. They had that. And then the aisleways are green, so they look kind of like turf, which is pleasant to the eye. And they're made of this sticky, grippy stuff. So it's it's got a really good grip for the horses because a lot of again a lot of horse show venues you have a choice between it's almost the stuff they put in playgrounds for kids. Yes, you can you you either have dirt and mud. Or you have, you know, like Harrisburg, this stupid yeah. roofing stuff <laughs> yeah. on the floor. Uh, so the flooring is, again, made for horses to walk on, so it's comfortable and safe for everybody. The wash stalls have, again, the rubber footing, and they're huge. Um, and what I thought was the most interesting part about the whole thing, if they have the fans and they have the I heating have big and air conditioning. fans everywhere, and, yeah. yeah. And it is heated air-conditioned barns, too. Very spacious. Yeah. But the most interesting part for me was... Instead of having a barn that has big, long aisles, because the barns are a couple of hundred feet long You can't each. see the end of the barn. You can't see the end of the barn. <laughs> and just big, long rows of aisles, they have it set up so that there's a what they call a traffic aisle, like you would have in a grocery store, and then little aisles go off of that. And each little aisle has probably six stalls in it, and then a secure tack room. So they probably figured out that your average person who rents a tack room needs between four and six stalls so you have your own little kind of neighborhood thing going and then the tack rooms have steel freaking doors on them locked yeah with locks <laughs> there ain't nobody, nobody getting gonna in those. stuff out of that tack room <laughs> and they're set up with uh wood uh i don't know what you'd call those they're set it's up horizontal. so that you can hang your yeah. uh, saddle racks and all yeah. that stuff in there yeah. it's really set up well and designed to be a tack Every room. one of those little blocks has three wash dolls and multiple hoses, and I, you can tell. It's just yeah. set up for that. Now, the one thing I did notice, and regular intervals, they have all the they have the big giant trash bins with wheels on the bottom that said trash on the side. And then they have more of them that say manure on the side. I don't know about your horse, but my horse is going to refill that sucker up about <laughs> three times a I day. On, and I don't know what the manure <laughs> plan is. But, yeah, I, ho- yeah. I hope they... Uh, I hope they beef that up a little bit. They need to plus the manure thing a little bit. Yeah. So we went outside, went through the barns, and we walked through maybe two or three barns. And, and there are tons on forever. of barns. Yeah. Uh, and as I said, I checked the thermostat at 64. It was set at 64 in there. And it was chilly that day. It was in the fi- low 50s. And it was 64 in the barn. It was definitely warmer. It was comfortable. Yeah. yeah. So then we went outside, and they had a row in the back of the barns where the horses were. Uh, were set up in the back well, of the barns. Warm up arenas back there. Yeah, lots had, and lots of warm up arenas. 
They had warm-up arenas back there. Plus, they had all the vendors lined up and their yeah. trailers and stuff. That was cool. Uh, and then we took a walk over to the main uh, outdoor arena, which imagine Kentucky Horse Park about that size. And I would say it's, the seating is probably double that because it had two of those bleacher yeah. sections like Kentucky has. So probably double that. One of the things we noticed right away is we had to go to the bathroom over there. One of the problems you have when you go to all these arenas is they have two stalls for 10,000 people in the bathroom. <laughs> these bathrooms, I don't know about you, when you when I walked in, I, I went, oh my God, this, the, they must have had 30 stalls in the guy's bathroom, all the urinals and everything, but it was huge. <laughs> it was just yeah. the little things that you don't think about till you need them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially the women's, did it have that number? Oh, it, it, was, it was a very large bathroom, yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah, you won't have as much waiting in line at that one. Hopefully not, because yeah, yeah that's a that's a problem at all sporting venues. I think is they because everybody goes at the same time because they go during a break. Yeah, hello. Well, they thought about that here. <laughs> They're huge, and there's one uh, one section of those in each of the big out right. seating areas. So they, I think that he told us they could seat eight to ten thousand, something like wow, that. There, that's a lot of people. Uh, and the arena was all the footing is beautiful. I mean, it's just it's all the same kind of footing as far as I know, and it's the white sandy stuff that looks like it has little carpet, bits of carpet in it or in whatever. It. It's, yeah, it's, it's a it's, brand it's, name, but it, I couldn't tell you off the top of my. And head they were watering it. Even the arenas yeah. that weren't being used were being watered, and they were yeah. grooming them. They all look perfect. Uh, there's there's uh, press boxes at each of the arenas um, uh, set up there, so you, the, you know it's just the outdoor arena is beautiful. And they plan on having full size concerts in there, a listers, the whole thing. Yeah. So that's not going to be just used for horses, but it'll be used for other things. Well, and they have the. Um, after we did the barns, and, and we by the way, the mega megatrons, the uh, jumbotrons, jumbotrons, are huge. they're awesome. Yeah, <laughs> we did a little wander out where the warm up arenas were, and we wandered past all of the vendors, and there were lots of them. We did a little walkabout out through the back. Uh, the chapel kind of sits in the center in the of the back. Yeah. back Everything there. was designed around the chapel. Yeah. yeah, and it's it was rather lovely because the they have a horse path that goes through there with the same footing as the arenas. So we walked through back there. It was very quiet and relaxing and kind of meditative to get away from the hustle and bustle. You will and, have hacking paths all the way through And there's hacking paths. Yeah. And we could see way out across the back where the cross-country course is going to be. Yes, there's going to be a cross-country course too, as well as the polo fields were back there. And then they had back all the way towards the back of the facility that's going to be before you get to the uh, little farmettes, the um, conference, conference center, is that what yeah, they're calling it's it? Yeah, conference center, yeah. There are... Six. Five. Five. There are five. Giant. Have to be 100,000 square foot buildings. Yeah. They're huge. Yeah. And I, you'll be able to hold Las Vegas style conferences Yeah, I think there. they've already got a couple of uh, dog events booked for in there for next year. They're yeah. huge. I mean, uh, every bit as big as any conference center we've been to for any horse thing. <laughs> oh, they're huge. Yeah. And they're, desi they're designed so that they can have horse things or not horse right. things, I think was the whole I point. I think, well, you wouldn't. Yeah. You're not going to find a horse thing that will fill all five of those at once. No. Uh, but you would find an electronics show or something like that right. that would. So yeah. I, this kind of could become, I think, the conference place in Florida here to, to rival Orlando. I think um, it's going to be an excellent alternative yeah. to Orlando because Orlando is really pretty built up and pretty yeah. intense and it's getting to the point now that it's almost overbuilt in Orlando. Yeah, and yeah. it's hard to get around. Traffic's a nightmare, yeah. you know, all of that. But yeah. I, this is beautiful and if you want a beautiful spot to do it now, hotel space, they, they're building that one 300-room hotel and apparently they're, they're bringing a couple one. other, two or three others on yeah. the property. Uh, those haven't started yet. But 
The place, oh, don't forget the campground. Oh, yeah. Then we took a ride over to the campground. And first of all, Western people it's have an RV a lot resort. of it's not a campground. freaking money. Yeah. Western people have a lot more money than English people because when we went over <laughs> to the campground and saw the rigs, the, the, they don't, they don't, live in campers they live in half a million dollar rvs uh, they're <laughs> unbelievable all lined up lots of pushers up there yeah. oh and then uh it's the only campground in the country where you'll see uh, a half a million dollar rv parked beside a small little, living quarters horse little, trailer <laughs> living quarters two horse trailer yeah. <laughs> it was awesome <laughs> lined up and then another half a million dollar rv and then then a then a, a quarter million dollar living quarters horse trailer <laughs> i it was it was cool to see that the campground's beautiful it's all set up in rows it's it's easy to pull in, pull out. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, and there's 300 spots. And right. they're building right beside it a gas station that is made for trailers. You can turn around. You can pull in. Yeah. <laughs> and it, again... Can, is With it, lots it, of diesel it, pumps, I know. Lots noticed. of diesel pumps. <laughs> the um, I didn't I didn't go into the camp store. They have a one big building that's the camp store, the laundromat, laundromat and the check-in We've area. We've seen pictures of laundromat. It's yeah. huge. Apparently, yeah. it's coinless. You use an app on your phone. Well, that's good because you always don't have the right coins. You never coins. have the right no. coins. You, you know the the coin slot gets clogged because some somebody stuffs. Well, the, and these gum were in the it. big machines. There are no little well, ones. Well, they're all in the this. big front yeah. loads. There's no point, right? <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if there's going to be a sign that says no saddle pack. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> that place was huge, yeah. and I'll tell you. Uh, if I was over there for any period of time, I'd want my electric bike or my uh, golf cart because yeah. it's big. Oh, an electric bike would be perfect yeah. over there just it's, because it's, you, so it's pretty flat. Hello, it's Ocala. So you can pedal around all we you want. We saw some, actually, we electric bikes and a lot, ton of golf carts. Yeah, you can pedal around all you want, but if you don't want to pedal, and, and you can get these really great little carts for your bicycles. They're made to carry stuff. So if you need to drag tack around and stuff like that, that for me would be the perfect world. Just get yourself a campsite over there, bring your electric bike and get a little cart for the back and you're golden and you don't stick up the place with golf cart fumes. The, uh, uh, we've been to a couple world equestrian games now and this facility could host a world equestrian games. No problem. Yeah. No problem. Now the, the one thing I did notice, like, Again, it's a sports venue, not a football stadium. Not a ton of parking for spectators. Well, I think so. That I'm thinking we that that's see not all the parking. That's not yeah. built out yet. The built the parking in front of the indoor arenas because the all four indoor arenas are right next to each other in a little U shape. But but there's 4,500 acres there. I'm sure there's a few yeah. acres. Of I hope parking there's a plan with shuttles and for, stuff. Yeah, for bigger plan concerts for that. and things. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, like you said, if the, if they have a concert in the Grand Prix 10, arena people, and they want to seat six or seven thousand yeah. people, you're going to have three to five thousand cars. The way everything else is thought about, I'm sure that's been yeah. thought about. Yeah, yeah, I hope yeah. so. I my overall impression was it's going to be it's it is the it's nicest cool. facility in this country. It's cool, uh, yeah. You know, I haven't been to Aiken, or Aachen. But uh, it's just huge. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't. I think everybody's going to have a real hard time rivaling it because they got a really good balance of needs of the horsemen, trainers, and horses, and needs of the spectators. We didn't get to eat in any of the restaurants, but boy, they smelled good. They did smell good. They were, I, they were making yeah there fish and were chips. Probably over there. two or three open. There's going to be a total of seven or eight yeah. on the property. And they were all there was one tax shop open. Yeah, we permanent went to the, tax the, shop. The farmhouse tax. Yeah, yeah. We, went, we stopped by and said hi. She to everybody. moved here two years ago specifically to open a tax shop at that place. Yeah, they bought a house down yeah. here. 
<laughs> it was incredible. Everybody's going to want to come. It's going to be a destination for uh, all different kinds of shows. Western English, I mean, all different kinds of shows will be there. He doesn't discriminate on the kinds of shows. We no. saw the jumps all lined up, brand new jumps all lined up on trucks uh, that'll be, that are ready to go. So the jumper shows start here in a couple of weeks. Couple of weeks. So uh, we'll we'll head out and take some pictures out there. If you want to see any pictures or videos, go to horsesinthemorning.com Facebook page, Horses in the Morning Facebook page, and I we posted some pictures there and some videos of the different arenas and things we just talked about. And uh, we hope to see you in Acala. We live about three miles from uh, there. We're, we're really lucky. We'll be able to go over for anything. I could ride my electric bike there. You could. I could. Thank you, Jennifer. Jennifer, of course, is host of Horse Tip Daily. Horse Tip Daily.